0: You're listening to Hire to Retire, a health and wealth podcast with FOIA leaders, Bill Harmon and Hebele Valley, tackling all things from 401ks to HSAs and everything in between. We're talking to the best and brightest in the industry to bring you the latest in health, wealth, and investment trends in the workplace. Come along with us on our journey to help all Americans become well-planned, well-invested, and well-protected.
1: Hi, I'm Bill Harmon, and welcome back to Hire to Retire, a health and wealth podcast. I'm here today with my friend, colleague, and co host, Heather Lavallee. Hi, Heather.
2: Hey, Bill. Thanks so much. Um, you know, I appreciate the warm welcome, and it is exciting to be back here with everyone for our next episode. In episode one, we took some time to talk about consumer insights and research. Certainly an interesting and insightful topic as we think about how individuals and their employers are looking to recover and rebuild their savings amidst a COVID 19 economic crisis.
1: That's right, Heather. And, you know, I found it interesting that employees are increasingly looking to their employers as the trusted source for information, as well as a primary source for savings. We had Carrie Setti on, and she mentioned that employees are becoming more engaged in their benefits decisions, particularly during enrollment. So there really are opportunities to help them optimize their benefits decisions on a holistic basis. Why don't we pivot to this week's conversation? Let's discuss an item that certainly has been uh, getting a lot of buzz within the industry and on the media front, and that's pooled employer plans, or commonly known as PEPs. So here to help us with the what, where, how, and why of PEPs, let's bring on our own uh, retirement guru, Jeff Simony, to help us explore that further. Hey, Jeff.
2: Hey, Bill. How are you? Hey, Heather. Hey, Jeff. Great to see you.
0: Good to see you, too.
2: You look like you're uh, a little dressed up for a podcast.
0: Well, you can never be, uh, you know, looking too sharp.
2: Does he know podcasts aren't uh, on video? I, I, I don't think he does Bill. Maybe okay, we, we we'll, we'll let's take that offline and, and not, see if we I'm can. Not,
0: you can't see me. No,
2: <laughs> our audience can't see you today, Jeff. So you can, you could, you could that's address a little bit normally. So and that's all that's right. Where you're okay. <laughs> you know, Jeff. I, I will say that. Uh, you know, we think about. The podcast and everything we're doing here today. And, you know, as you know, every moment I get to spend with my partner friend and colleague Bill is, is the most greatest joy I get from my professional um, life. So, you know, I just have to accentuate that point that to spend time with the two of you who are not only experts in the retirement space, but people that I consider my dear friends is just a it's a thrill of a lifetime.
1: Jeff, I don't know about you. But I'm weaving through some of the sarcasm. I think she was pretty genuine on that. And of course, I, I enjoy just getting with the three of us and, and getting into the nitty gritty of some of these topics. And yes, okay, I get to go and spend time with my BFFs at work.
0: Being the old guy in the group though, Bill, it, you know, for me, it's just a pleasure to work with millennials like you do.
1: Yeah, we get that a lot. So let's dig in. You know, we, we've heard a lot about PEPs in the retirement plan space and, and really a lot more now in 2021. Can you start by explaining to everyone who might not necessarily know the details of PEP, what is it and how, how do we feel this could be changing the landscape of retirement savings in the workplace?
0: Great question, Bill. And, and you know, for the audience, just to let you know, the concept of a PEP has been around for a while, but it really was not put into kind of regulatory guidance until the SECURE Act at the uh, end of 2019. First effective date for, for PEPs was the beginning of this year. So it, it is a rather new concept. But it was built on a concept bill that had been around for a long time, which is multiple employer plans or MEPs. You know, MEPs were really kind of the precursor structure for this. And we have long argued for a little bit of revisions to MEPs, as well as the expansion of who can join uh, a program like this. So if you go back to the original MEP rules, it required that all members of the MEP be affiliated with each other. And so mostly you saw associations offering this as a part of their membership. But the advancement of it was rather challenging because you had to have that, that, that tether to each other, that relationship to each other. And a, a second part of uh, the old MEP rules, which was uh, challenging for adoption as well, was the fact that if, if one of the members had some difficulties and didn't necessarily adhere to all the rules and regulations, and this can be a complicated endeavor, it really affected all other members that were part of the, of the MEP. And so I think the two things that really came out of the SECURE Act was, one is it it really redefined who can join a program like this, and that you don't have to be affiliated by industry or geography or some other common attribute. And that really kind of allows many different organizations to join together to kind of create a retirement benefit that really suits their particular needs. And the second thing is the DOL relaxed a little bit the, the challenges that might go wrong, along with one member not necessarily complying with those issues. It really relegated those particular issues to the member that was not complying and it didn't really taint everybody else. And I think those two things, the fact that I can't get in trouble for somebody else's behavior and the fact that I can join with other like institutions and not necessarily be in the same industry, are, are two factors which have really increased the discussion and even design of PEPs in the marketplace.
2: So, Jeff, can I, if I can build on that, knowing that there are some substantial changes in the law around organizations setting up PEPs and MAPs, do you see PEPs as being a big game changer when it comes to providing greater retirement access for individuals?
0: By and large, yes. Things in our industry do evolve over time, and as they become more common, um, we learn from uh, some of the things that we're doing, they do tend to accelerate a little bit in terms of adoption. And right now, I think we are um, a little bit early in this stage. Lots of discussions. We're seeing a fair amount of organizations act as what's called the old plan provider or the PPP, which is really the sponsor of the PEP. Part of the SECURE Act regulations require that they register with the Department of Labor, and we're seeing those activities increase rather substantially. And those that are in place that we're working with our partners on are starting to see some really early adoption success. I don't think it's going to be overnight. I think it's going to take time, but I do think it is going to be an important offer within our industry uh, for plan sponsors who are seeking, you know, some of the favorable benefits that a PEP or a MEP can offer, which is in some cases, you know, access to lower cost investment opportunities, a little bit of a deferral of the fiduciary responsibility, some of the complexity related to, you know, regulations and tax filings and testing and things like that. I do think it's going to be a part of our industry, and I do think it is something that complements a lot of other programs that are out there, both state programs as well as individual plans.
1: So, Jeff, you mentioned some of the benefits. You mentioned, if I'm, if I'm an employer, I'm a plan sponsor, I have, let's call it a smaller <laughs> 401k, I would think about joining a PEP because of some simplicity, reduced fiduciary liability, yeah. maybe some reduced cost. What would I be giving up? Why would I not necessarily want to join a PEP?
0: Oh, great question, Bill. If you have an individual plan, you have the ability to customize that for your employees. It's a recruitment tool, it's a retention tool, it can be designed in such a way that it's complementary with other benefits that you offer your employees. And it's a little bit of that customization and flexibility bill that often is the opposite side of the coin when you're thinking about much more of a pooled approach. Typically a MEP or a PEP has um, choices Choices on eligibility, choices on match provisions, choices on whether you offer a loan or how many loans that you offer, choices on vesting, but they tend to be limited in in nature and they tend to be rather straightforward. In an individual plan, you can customize those and you can design the plan you want because you're the one that's adopting that single plan for you. The question I'm often asked is, you know, will these take the place of something? I have a sense that they'll complement everything that we do. If I look at state plans, which are getting a little bit of momentum, and they've been around for a little while, those are great, but they look like an IRA. There's not an ability for a plan sponsor to add a match. There's not an ability to you know, have other attributes of vesting or you know, other things that are common within you know, a retirement plan at the state level, but they're great to begin with. I think MEPs and PEPs are, uh, provide greater flexibility uh, to customers there, but you're really limited to the structure of that Pepper or MEP and the offering that is available to them. And I think, you know, if you want a custom plan, the single plan marketplace is a great way for you to be able to do it. But it comes with added responsibility as a fiduciary in the single plan market, because then you do become the plan sponsor and you are responsible for those fiduciary obligations.
2: So, Jeff, I, I want to uh, build off that, you know, kind of talking about why a plan sponsor, an employer might not consider it. Can you comment on, we've had some questions from audience members or partners around uh, 403Bs and MEPS and PEPs, and today, you know, the question is, is it really something that is an offering for a plan sponsor only offering a 401k ought to consider, or can you comment on the applicability across other plans with different plan structures?
0: Heather, that's a great question. The SECURE Act, when it talked about PEPs, really relegated it to for-profit institutions and so right now under the current uh, secure act 403b peps are not allowed 403 maps have been around we have seen some activity probably over the last half decade or so as it relates to that there have been some state universities and college systems that have looked at those for some of their smaller members or even some of their larger members but our feedback to the department of labor and to congress has been we would like direction and we do think that PEPs for the tax-exempt space is something that could be very beneficial to those organizations. It has been um, floated and proposed in what we're referring to as Secure Act 2.0, which uh, most likely will come out of Representative Neal's office in Congress. And so we're waiting and seeing right now, but it, it does appear that there is some, some momentum to kind of expand those provisions of the SECURE Act into the 403B marketplace. And I think by and large, we think that would be very positive for those institutions to have the same availability that for-profit institutions have.
1: So really, when you talk about opening up PEPs to different types of organizations, we're really talking about coverage. In a sense, <laughs> there's still too many Americans that don't have access to a workplace savings and I know that there's been some state legislation where states are sort of mandating that you offer some type of plan. And if you don't, then you're required to go and make a contribution into an IRA on behalf of those employees. So I guess, do you think that PEPs, at least now they're available in the corporate market, are they going to provide more coverage um, like it was intended to do?
0: You know, Bill, I, it's a great question. I, I think we hope that absolutely that's the case. I do want to make a, a caveat, though. You know, we are seeing larger organizations at least express some interest in these types of PEPs. And it really is for that ability to have someone else take the primary role as a fiduciary. But I think our, our initial thoughts on, on PEPs when, when it was being considered um, in Congress and, and by the Department of Labor, our hope was that it expands the coverage ratio. You know, D.C. plans still today cover about 60 percent of the U.S. labor force. That's much higher than defined the peak of any defined benefit structure that we had in the past. But that still means that, you know, a third to 40 percent of the U.S. labor force does not have access to a retirement plan. And so I think we believe that, you know, additional structures like this, if they can be the conduit that allows a small business owner to offer a plan, to make it easy for them to kind of adopt it, not take on additional legal liability that they may not want to take. And it expands the number of, of employees in the U.S. that have access to a retirement plan. We're, we're thoroughly behind those types of programs.
2: So Jeff, as our time together comes to a close, are there any final thoughts around MEPS and PEPs that you'd like to share with our audience to, to take away for consideration?
0: You know, I get back to the same thing, Heather, and this is probably a little bit more me uh, than anything, but I think we as an industry have an obligation to employees to make sure that we help them get to a successful retirement. And there are different businesses in different industries, you know, whether that be tax exempt or or for-profit institutions, small employers to large multinational employers. We've put this type of retirement system on their backs and it requires a lot more involvement Certainly, than my parents' or my grandparents' generation had. We've talked earlier that it covers more employees than defined benefit plans or other retirement structures ever did, but it also requires a lot more involvement of the employee. And so I don't think there's a singular structure that is perfect. I think a lot of the structures complement each other. And I think it's our responsibility as industry participants to ensure that whatever model an employer is selecting for their employees that we ensure that the employee knows how to optimize that and gets to that retirement that they've always envisioned.
2: That's helpful, Jeff. And I, and I know, you know I, you've often shared your own personal story of growing up in a GE town. And I think your main point there is that often for those employees who are working at a company for life, your biggest decision might be when you retire, but but so much of that had already been taken care of. And, and we obviously live in a very, very different world today. And so I think it is a great point to end on our podcast today that we as an industry, as our partners and our listeners on the call, we all feel an obligation and a duty to help all Americans achieve the financial future they, they envision. All right. Well, Jeff, um, thank you. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, We want to thank you for your insight. And uh, as you know, door is always open. So come back to our podcast anytime.
0: Thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. Have a great day.
1: Well, Heather, this concludes another episode of Hire to Retire, a health and wealth podcast. And to all of you out there listening, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed our discussion today and want more, please go to our show page and hit that subscribe button so you can get notified every time we drop a new episode.
2: Thanks, Bill. And please remember another way you can let us know that you're enjoying the podcast is to give us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback.
1: Thank you all so much for coming along on our journey today. Stay well.
2: This information is provided by Voya
0: for your education only. Neither Voya nor its representatives offer tax or legal advice. Any opinions expressed within do not necessarily reflect those of the Voya family of companies or its representatives and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Please consult your tax or legal advisor before making a tax-related investment or insurance decision. Products and services offered through the Voya family of companies.